0: Please stay tuned for important disclosure information at the conclusion of this episode.
1: Investing Insights has hit the road. We're recording this episode from the Morningstar Investment Conference in Chicago. So several big names in investing and newsmakers have talked about the outlook for today's investors. And we have two Morningstar specialists here to share some of those key takeaways. Here with me, Russ Kennel. He's Morningstar Research Services Director of Manager Research and Morningstar Inc.'s Chief Markets Editor, Tom Lorisella. How's it going, guys? Good, good, good. great. Thanks. All right, so let's get started. Um, we noticed some trends um, among the speakers. Tom, what was the overall sentiment about the markets and risk of a recession?
2: Yeah, uh, among the, the 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 most commonly uh, mentioned themes uh, these last couple of days has been the question of uh, are we going to have a recession? Um, this was came up in almost every investing panel, one shape or form, and um, you know. From where, from where I sat, it seemed that uh, um, the, the portfolio managers, the strategists, the analysts were all saying, We're going to have a recession. Uh, the interesting question that everybody was up for debate, and you know, each individual manager, uh, which Russ will, will talk some more about, is that you know the question is how, much, how big is the recession going to be? Um, and what is the impact going to be? How much is that priced into the markets? So, the, probably the most you know, that theme of a recession. Um, was something that we heard throughout, which would have, you know, if we were sitting here a year ago, would have been all about um, burgeoning inflation and how much the Fed was going to raise rates. Now it's the other other question of, are we going to have a recession? What is that going to mean uh, for investors' portfolios and how they should be looking at the market?
1: All right. So let's talk about the state of bonds. PIMCO's Chief Investment Officer, Dan Iveson he spoke yesterday. What's his viewpoint, Russ?
3: You know, I think he's uh relatively positive so uh hearing him talk about uh inflation getting down to about 3% by year end that seems pretty positive he's very excited i think bond managers in general excited because uh you know after an awful year, bond yields are now much more attractive. And so even just garden variety investment grade bonds will pay you a pretty nice return. Uh, I think he's, he also, interestingly, talked a lot about uh, non-dollar investments. So maybe bearish on the dollar, find, finding some of those outside the US investments attractive. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: So. Growth stocks ruled until high inflation and rising interest rates showed up. Russ, what were some of the themes from the panel examining growth stocks?
3: You know, they seemed kind of cautious to me. I was a little surprised because we have had that correction in growth. But uh, many of them were talking about things like uh, a long list of stuff to buy, if we get another correction, so it seems like they're fairly cautious uh, today, but but hoping for uh, a sell-off so they can buy some more. So it seemed, you know, almost bearish to me for, for growth managers to to talk that way. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the top growth names are still very pricey by most measures.
1: Okay. Um- so let's move on to Liz Ann Saunders. Um, Schwab's chief investment strategist talked about how recent global challenges rattled markets. Tom, tell us some of the key points she hit.
2: Well, I think sticking with this recession theme, um, she had some good advice um, for investors about how to think about um, a recession and the markets. And, you know, she, she was making the point that if, if, if you're just waiting for the recession to happen, um, then, a lot of, then the markets have probably already discounted that. Um, and you need to think through it um, that, you know, markets are a discounting uh, mechanism. You know, one of the things that, um, that that she discussed and others discussed is whether or not the stock market is actually priced for a recession right now. That's a different question than whether, um, you know, whether, you know, what, what that will mean in terms of the timing. Um, and of course, you know, she also r- reminded us that timing the markets is, you know, you're not, you know trying to pick a top or a bottom is a fool's errand. Every, everybody will tell you that. Although... Everybody tries to do it and thinks that they can do it. <laughs> um, um, but really, it's, it's that question, again, of where are we in the cycle? To what degree has the market um, um, priced in a recession? Um, so we're, we're a little bit, you know, as, uh, actually, as we've written on Morningstar.com this past week, we're a little bit in limbo. And you, you did get that sense from a lot of managers that um, uh, in the bond and the stock market, they, they are sort of waiting for the next shoe to drop in terms of movements in the markets, um, prices coming back further from where they are. There does seem to be a lot of skepticism about where we are now, um, in relation to this question of recession and where the markets are priced.
1: Okay. So Larry Summers, former U S treasury secretary delivered a keynote yesterday and he dropped lots of nuggets. Let's talk about the, one of the first ones, the banking crisis. Tom, what was his thoughts? on? Yeah, again, banking?
2: this all, this all feeds together. So, um, you know, um, Larry Summers, it was a a great session. Um, He's he's a wonderful speaker. It was a great interview. Um, You know, when it came to the banking crisis, um, he he, he was making the point of how it's the equivalent of a Fed tightening. Um, And as we've heard from uh, Fed Fed Chair Powell and others, um, we just don't know how much of a tightening it's going to be. We're still waiting to find out some information. These kinds of... um, um, uh, these, these types of events take a while to feed through to the economy. Um, it's not something um, that's an immediate shock like the pandemic when everything shut down overnight. This is a very different experience. And so one of the points that our summer's made was we don't know is this the equivalent of a quarter point tightening? Is it a one and a quarter point tightening? We don't know yet. However, it's a credit crunch that's coming, um, and that is going to feed through to the economy and um, you know lead us into a downturn.
1: So Russ. Larry Summers also talked about recession, soft landing. Lead us, lead <laughs> us to what his thoughts were.
3: <laughs> yeah, in, in in short, he he said soft landing is a fairy tale that we tell ourselves that uh, we've we had so much excess growth in in the economy that the only cure is going to be a recession that resets uh, prices, and so you know he he did. I guess the the most positive thing was he didn't think it was going to be a severe recession. He didn't think it was going to be a global financial crisis, but he seemed very clear that the only way we would get back to a 2% inflation rate was through a recession, which is not the most cheerful thing to hear in the morning, but uh, uh, I think a a realistic case.
1: So does he think that companies are preparing for this?
3: You know, I I don't know if they they touched on that exactly, but... um, you know, you know, I think I think he, he certainly. It's it's getting closer there. I think you know, as as Tom mentioned, everyone's talking about a recession, and and so uh, it seems like corporate America is certainly uh, moving there. If if not, uh, pretty close to certainly slowed growth, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, and you know, he did he did remind us that during a recession, the um, um, you know, unemployment unemployment rate rate will rise. Um, so we're going to see unemployment uh, rising. Um, and actually, this is something I, I believe Lizanne Sa- Saunders touched on in, in that conversation, which is that um, the, the employment, the jobs market is a coincident indicator, right? We're going to see uh, uh, the job market slow down when we go into a recession. So everybody who's sitting here saying, well, we're not, you know, things are going to be fine. The job market's strong. Um, she reminded us that, um, you know, that it's only when we're in recession that, that people start losing their jobs. So it's an important thing for investors to think of when they look at the jobs data um, that uh, it's going to be telling us what's happening out there right now, not where we're going to be.
1: All right. So the debate in Washington is around the debt ceiling. Does he think the U.S. is heading towards a possible default?
2: Yeah, Larry was um, um, he he, he didn't he didn't see that as much of a possibility. Uh, I believe he sort of kept those percentages down to the very low, low single digits um, a real, real default—you um, um, know, sub two percent. Um, I believe, he said, you know, a, a technical default. Um, you know, also low single-digit percentages. So it didn't seem to be uh, much of a concern to him. Um, and um, I, I, you know, I, I get the sense it's a similar question, a similar response from the portfolio managers at the conference as well. Um, it's it's a potential hiccup out there, um, but not something that uh, that they're basing their strategies around.
3: Yeah, I think Dan Iveson echoed the, the same view that it's a fairly low chance of a default. Uh, but he also thought that we'd go right down to the wire uh, on uh, on that debate. So, so uh, uh, I think there's sort of cautious optimism on that front, too.
1: All right. So something to watch um, over the next few months. Um, if you're an investor watching that, maybe you're thinking, should I invest internationally. Um, there was a session at MIC talking about, is it ever the time to invest in international equities? Russ, what came out of that session? Uh,
3: yeah, you know, the, I, I think the, the managers were pretty bullish and made a pretty good case that uh, foreign equities are a lot cheaper than U.S. equities. Uh, these were value managers, so, so, you know, the valuations really ma- matter to them. Uh, and, and I think they could make a pretty good case that, that uh, foreign equities are are cheap, and they're finding a lot to buy. Interestingly, two areas they didn't like were China and Japan for for uh, very different reasons. Uh, you know, obviously, Japan in a uh, very long uh, near bear market, and 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 China over concerns that uh, the government might take away, uh, you know what. Companies' freedoms are, uh, you know, and, and so kind of a looming threat, like we saw with the for-profit education stocks in in China. So uh, overall bullish, but not so much on, on the two big Asian markets. Now, um, I think also was
2: did, were they discussing also there? There is this idea, and then this the fact that um, non-U.S. markets are generally cheaper than U.S. markets. Was that something that came up?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I think. They are. And, and I think it's it's a good point that if you step back, we tend to go in these these long cycles to where the US might outperform for, say, 10 years. And at that point, we always start saying, why does anyone need to invest overseas? All the great companies are American. And, you know, Then boom, you you have a year like like uh, the two thousand to twenty ten when when U.S. significantly underperforms, uh, you know, and and because markets are cyclical, but this seems like a very long running cycle as opposed to you know some of the others might only last six months. This seems to be one that runs ten years or more, and 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 so um, you know know, I think it's it's not again it's another thing you really can't time well, uh, but it's worth keeping in mind, and it's it's worth appreciating the value of that diversification as well as, as I mentioned, uh, there's some dollar bearishness. And if they're right about that, uh, again, that's another reason to hold uh, foreign assets.
1: All right. So we also had NYU finance professor Aswad Damodaran. He talked about his views on ESG and he pointed out some areas for improvement. Um, Tom, what were those?
2: yeah his main point uh, uh which is one that morningstar recognizes as well in in our in our data on this is materiality um materiality of risks um and that's an area where it's still hard to uh sift through the through companies and and hard to assess that really um, he talked about the question of of whether it's easier to measure goodness versus badness i believe was the term um, and um you know that's that that's something that um uh, investors wrestle with, and it's something that you know if you're if you are trying to assess the um, ESG risks of a company, that's something that um, the marketplace um, and the analysis that goes with it um, he feels can still be improved and yeah it's, it, it, was, it was a good point there. Um, one thing I, if I could add also just on the topic that we we're talking about in terms of the economy, um, he was making the point that um, what we're going through in the markets uh, right now is actually, um, it's 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 a long overdue, um, um, essentially a correction to some practices in you know in, in the public and private equity markets where um, companies didn't really have to have profits um, that they had this unbelievably low cost of capital, and now we're just getting back to a more normal. So even as we go through uh, the you know potential recession um, and uh, interest rates and inflation at a more elevated level, um, it's helpful for investors to remember that. Um, you know, in in a way, the past you know you know decade and a half was the outlier. Um, so, um, and I think you heard that from bond managers as well that they're they're happy to have yield to actually play with, like you said. So um, he had some good points on on that front as well,
1: right? And also, FPA Crescent leader Steve Romick, he talked about his first move during the dot com bubble and the financial crisis. Russ, what were some of the lessons he spoke about that could be applied to today?
3: Well, I think I think he pointed out that. Uh, it can be very lonely to be on the other side of of, of the the hot markets. And and so, you know, uh, in the dot-com craze, you know, he was very much holding deep value and cash and oil while, you know, all of his competition was running up and and putting up huge returns. And everyone was talking about him being out of touch. I think it illustrates the importance of sticking to your guns. And, um, you know, you really, um, I guess, I guess, uh, just just checking your your, your facts and, and and sticking with it be, because uh, every strategy goes out of favor one time or another and you have to stick to it and I think another part though is uh, you you don't want to double down when when things when you're when you're proven right and uh, ignore you know go on a buyer's strike and so when 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 bonds started to get get cheaper and sell off he started he added. You know corporate bonds uh you know really quickly after the the global financial crisis uh and and made a nice return as well so you know I, I think there's there's a good point that uh you want to stick to your guns but you also don't want to have your head in the sand and 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 you know wait for everything to go to zero
1: so you need to be courageous and flexible
3: indeed very easy <laughs> yeah.
1: all right so Russ um Let's talk about the major things. We've been talking about them throughout this conversation. Let's button it up. What were the major things that you thought emerged from this conference? Uh,
3: definitely uh, a lot more enthusiasm for value, a lot more enthusiasm for non-dollar. Um, but I think also in general, when you hear about talk about recession, what what they're what, with, at the same time, what they're really saying is this next 12 months could be rocky. We have no idea if we're going to make any money in the next 12 months. But the, the long-term opportunities are still there that if you're a long-term investor, you can find some really good investments right now.
1: So what you're saying is that the next MIC conference, we should talk about this to see where we've come. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So as we wrap this up, um, let's have a fun question. What surprised you guys at MIC this year?
2: What surprised me? Um, I think what surprised me the most um, was um, what what was the degree to which um, um, there there is such uniformity of opinion about about a recession um, that, you know, sometimes you have to ask that question of like, well, what if we only have a very shallow recession that doesn't do what everybody thinks it's going to do? Um so um I had expected a little bit more uh, variation of opinion about the the odds of recession. Everybody seems to be, you know, it's gonna happen. Doesn't mean it's not gonna happen, but there there is a real uniformity of, of opinion there um across different uh, asset classes, different investing styles. Um so there there did seem to be a lot of uniformity of opinion, also just a lot of caution about valuations in the stock market. Um didn't hear much bullishness out there. So it was a pretty uniform set of opinions, and uh, that that was a little surprising.
0: That
1: that's not fun. I that was something fun. <laughs>
2: well, anytime you see everybody saying the same thing, you get a little nervous. I mean, somebody's going to be—you know—everybody can't be right. Markets don't work that way.
1: All right. Well, you're smiling about it, okay, Russ?
3: Yeah, I th- I think it, it was maybe surprisingly sober uh, in, in general. That that maybe outside of the bond managers, the stock managers are not. Uh, chomping at the bit to to invest, and and I think growth in particular. Uh, you know, I heard some some pessimism, which surprised me again, just because we already had a a, a decent growth correction. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it just speaks to the if you look stand back further and see how much growth has gone up and and just those top names in the Russell 1000 growth still have really high valuations and and so uh, there's still a lot of pessimism there and of course that's another one where it's it's very treacherous to be a growth manager because you absolutely have to get those top 10 names right so that means either either if you if you don't buy those high-priced names and they go up some more. You're going to look bad. Uh, so it's, it's a tough spot to be for growth managers.
1: All right. All right. So thank you, Tom. Thank you, Russ. I know it's early this morning.
3: <laughs> you're welcome. Thanks.
1: <laughs> All right. I want to thank lead technical producer Scott Halver. Audio engineer, George Cassidy, and senior video producer, Jake Bankerson. You guys took an idea. You brought it to life. I want to thank everyone here who is watching us at the Morningstar Investment Conference. And thank you to everyone who is tuning in to this week's episode. I am your host and a senior multimedia editor here at Morningstar. I'm Ivana Hampton. Remember that name. Take care.
0: This recording is for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Opinions expressed are as of the date of recording. Such opinions are subject to change. The views and opinions of guests on this program are not necessarily those of Morningstar Inc. and its affiliates. While this guest may license or offer products and services of Morningstar and its affiliates, unless otherwise stated, he or she is not affiliated with Morningstar and its affiliates. Morningstar does not guarantee the accuracy or the completeness of the data presented herein. Morningstar Research Services is a subsidiary of Morningstar Inc. and is registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. Morningstar Research Services shall not be responsible for any trading decisions, damages, or other losses resulting from, or related to, the information, data analyses, or opinions, or their use. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All investments are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal,